Hello and welcome to From Our Perspective, Two Therapists, Moms, and a Mic. My name is Katie Truax. And I'm Claudia Glassman. And we are here today. We're going to chat with you guys about different parenting styles and approaches. Yes. And I think more specifically, finding our own way, right? From our family of origin and maybe the perspective that they had versus how we're choosing to do it. Yeah. Claudia, you said you see this a lot in your clients struggling with kind of trying to find this balance. I do. I do. A lot of clients, you know, um, and we've talked about this, how parenting styles kind of change as generations pass. Um, But finding, you know, wanting to parent um, in a different way than they were parented and then kind of feeling this like mom guilt or parent guilt or even shame when they fall back into patterns that are more reminiscent of the way they were parented, right? So maybe it's harsher than they want to be or um, just kind of, you know, you swear you'll never say that thing your parents said and then all of a sudden you're saying it. Like those things, right? And I think, um, you know, would love to kind of dive into how that shows up for people and then also kind of strategies on on how to navigate that. Yeah, okay. So... Obviously, if your clients are talking to you about this, right, they're, they're more on the self-aware side of the spectrum, right? Like they're, they're by definition, right. Or by default, if that they're like on your couch, they're going to be self-reflective. They're going to be having these internal conversations, you know, if they're having them externally, you know, at least with you as their therapist or parenting coach, maybe they're talking to their girlfriends about this. Maybe they're talking to their husbands about this, right? And and it's interesting because we get that snapshot of the population. And of course, whatever we hear from our girlfriends and so forth and so on, but like, we don't get to hear from the people who are out there and aren't aware, right? Who who aren't considering these things or aren't seeking help or seeking therapy, or they're just kind of going about on autopilot. My guess would be that um, there's a lot of people struggling with this topic, right? Right. And, and, you know, one of the things that's really clear to me is that, yes, they're obviously more insightful, but it seems to come like that drive and that insight comes from that experience of childhood that in some way was less than. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it's parents that won't, weren't emotionally aware, won't, weren't emotionally in tune, right. That person that felt like they were too much, too sad, too, emotional, too sensitive, right? Um, So it comes from some of these, I guess childhood hurts is what I'll call them, right? Not feeling heard, not being seen, feeling like you were always bad, always misbehaving. Those are the adults that I see that kind of want to reflect and don't want their children to experience that. And so, yes, maybe they're more actively searching for a style that jives more with the way they wish they would have felt as a child. Yeah, I like that so much. That's so true. I always kind of share with people, I have a belief that we can kind of divide ourselves, right, as parents into four quadrants. One, people who are unaware and are repeating the same patterns that their parents did. Let's say those hurts, right? 
people who are unaware, but are subconsciously or unconsciously doing the opposite of what their parents did that caused those hurts. People who are aware and are doing the opposite of what their parents did very intentionally to avoid those hurts or people who are aware, but are still repeating the same patterns that their parents had that caused the hurts, right? And, and it, my guess would be that that's where most of that feeling of guilt and angst comes in because we have the awareness, we have intentionally decided to do something different, but yet to your point, you might find yourself slipping back either just out of habit, right? Or when that subconscious mind takes over or sometimes, and I've had this in my own experience as a mom too, we realize that, man, I don't know, maybe my mom had something going, going on there when she did that thing or said that thing that I didn't get until now, right? And that I'm parenting. Right. Because your perspective is different. Like at the time you're viewing it from your childhood lens and then you become a parent. You're like, well, I was, you know, easy to judge when you're not that person, right. When you're not in that moment. And when you realize as a parent that like, you don't have all the answers and you are not going to handle every situation as smoothly or as effectively as you thought you would. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love those quadrants because I think they're, they're a pretty accurate description of the different places people may find themselves. Right. And then maybe moving between quadrants every so often. I think, um, yeah, I also think, you know, in every aspect of our life, but parenting specifically, there's so much more information, like uh, the amount of parenting books that exist, um, the amount of just information online that exists, you know, podcasts, blogs, all the things. Um, I think parents are bombarded with a lot more information than they had before. I mean, even just looking at research and studies on children, right. And you look at like emotional development. I mean, I don't think when I was a kid, no one talked about emotions or emotional development. Right. Um, some of that may be culturally, I'm sure in some families that was honored, but I don't know as a whole, as a society that we put a lot of thought into how children experience the world and navigate the world and feel, right? And in my house, like, I, do we, I don't think we talked about feelings, which is ironic that I'm a therapist and that's all I do, right? But we didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't that they weren't allowed. They just were like glossed over. Mm-hmm. Like if you're crying, it's like, you'll be fine. Like, you know, <laughs> it just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't focused on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's a lot of reasons why people find themselves maybe even more aware than before, right? Because it's kind of thrown in your face a little bit more, like the information, right? You should parent like this, you shouldn't do this. Like there's also a lot of societal pressure of how to be as a parent. Well, that's so interesting because I feel like as, as you're talking, I'm listening to you, it's reminding me of the, what we discussed last week, which was perfectionism. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go check that out. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this whole like reading books thing and, and the researching and, and I was reflecting and I'm remembering, do you remember this? You may or may not remember this. Remember when we were pregnant and um, we being like you were pregnant at the same time that I was pregnant right and you did all the research for us and I would be like okay tell me um, what the best car seat is okay thanks because <laughs> I trusted you explicitly and knew you were going to have good answers and I that's just not my personality type but I think that 
not being my personality type has like evolved over the years. And I mentioned last week a little bit about my journey with perfectionism and how I grew up very driven to strive for perfectionism because I was in a lot of environments where that was very highly rewarded, right? This seemingly perfect person, uh, perfect little girl, right? And um, shed, shedded, is that a word? A little bit shed more and more of that as I aged and grew and evolved and, and hopefully um, healed and, and got better and at being a human. And, you know, it's a journey that we're all on for the rest of our life, for all of our lives, but, um, you know, learning how to kind of like that B is for balance. Right. And, and part of that shedding perfectionism for me was not doing so much external seeking of information and turning more toward my own internal compass for things. Um, so like, for example, I'm trained in three different models of parent education as a professional, but I did not engage in any real research around parenting styles or little things, even like sleep training, or, um, I mean, health and wellness, you know, I'm a little bit of anomaly because I'm married to a functional wellness doctor. So I kind of have that one in the home home field, but, um, you know, I, I'm not a book reader. I'm not a blog, um, listener reader. What, what do you do to blogs? You read them. Read them. <laughs> See, I don't even know how to do them. <laughs> that, that explains. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. I, you know, it could be paralyzing. Right. And, and I have clients who, um, tell me those stories about like, reading books, you know, oh, or I don't know how to handle this. Let me, let me read about it tonight and then we'll handle it tomorrow. (laughs) Right. Kind of a jam. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the opposite of you because I do a lot of research, a lot of reading. Um, okay. It's audible. I don't always read. Sometimes I listen in my car, full disclosure. Um, but I love that stuff. Now, do I incorporate everything I read? No, I read It's interesting because when I consume that, I consume that as like nuggets of information that I can use maybe one day, but I don't put so much weight on if I don't do it, right? And I also don't agree with every book I read. But my, honestly, my interest in kind of parenting and parenting styles and supporting parents came from my work with kids, right? And seeing the struggles they have and maybe what could we have done six, seven, eight years ago to have prevented this space, right? Where they are now, the struggles they feel. Um, And then having my own kid being like, oh, great. Now I could have my kid, you know, with this many struggles in 10 years because of. And so I've really done, you know, a lot of, and again, because I work with children, a lot of work in child development and brain development and all of those things that I think kind of contributes to the way I conceptualize um, parenting and, and parenting styles that, you know, for me, make the most sense. But like everything, it has to fit your personality, right? Like, and your goals. And the way I always talk about this with clients is, okay, get out of the the weeds, right? Get out of what we're in in this moment, this problem, this behavior, this whatever your kid's exhibiting. What do you, what goals do you have for your kid? Like when you think of your child at 18, 19, 20 years old, what do you want that person to be? Mm -hmm. And you know, this is kind of one of the strategies that even in my life I use every day because it's so easy to get stuck in the latest fight of whatever, you know, negotiations are happening in the house between a child and a parent. And you get so bombarded with that. 
And, you know, if, if you can approach it from this, like, okay, what is the ultimate goal? So one of the things I hear a lot is people want very highly obedient children. Mm. Listen, the parent of me is like, gosh, life would be so much easier if I just said it and my kids did it instantly with a smile on their face and like blissfully happy, right? But I get my kids who say, I don't want to do that right now, right? And it's enraging as the, the mom part of me that wants to be productive and get things done. But then I'm like, okay, but when I look at my kid at, you know, 20 years old, do I want them to be able to have boundaries? Do I want them to be able to say, I hear you want me to do this right now, but I'm going to do it in an hour because I'm trying to finish this just in the same way. When my kids ask me to do something, I don't drop everything I'm in the middle of to attend to that moment. I say to them things like I'm working on this, let me finish this. And in 20 minutes, I'll meet you and we'll whatever, address the issue or we'll talk about it or whatever the case may be. Obviously, if it's not an emergency, right? Like I don't navigate my life that way. Why should I then implement that on my child? But it really changes how you approach that moment of ultimately what kind of person do you want? What kind of child do you want? And everyone's answer to that is different. Mine is like my number one goal is like, don't be a jerk, <laughs> right? Like be a kind person. That's really my number one goal and be self-sufficient and be able to advocate for yourself and, you know, navigate the challenges of this world. Those are my goals, but like everything else, right? So when I parent, that's what I come back to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I've never heard you talk about that before. This idea of like, okay, what are, what are your end goals really of like, okay, when they've launched from the house. Right. And, and knowing I have a 23 year old and it's not over then, but, um, <laughs> um, but I love that though. Okay. When they're no longer, you know, as under our thumbs as our kids are, our kids, our younger kids ages, right. We've got, let's see, Kinsey's turning eight this summer. Mm -hmm. Ansley will be 10 this summer, right? And Ellie will be 10 this summer. Um, and so we still have a fair amount of control over them. And, and I like that kind of reflecting in those moments. What are these, what kind of a human do I want to be helping to grow here? Yes. I, I think that I, I, um, I like those two that you said, kind of be a kind human and be able to be kind of, effective in the world, right? Responsible for yourself, able to navigate situations effectively and independently. I love that so much. I think that um, I would like a hundred percent echo all of that. You know, it's funny, I'll add another one for our family. One of the, I think that the first thing, and this is what I've told Ellie for years and years and years and years, and it makes me have tears come to my eyes every time I think about it, is I tell her, um, in good times and in bad times, you know, those good times when you're just like overflow with pride and love. Right. And then bad times when like, maybe you've just had a knockdown drag out, right. Whether it's, they've lost their mind or you've lost your mind or, or <laughs> a combination of the two. Right. I always tell her, and now she repeats it back to me with a little cute little eye roll. Right. If I, if you only know one thing in life, what is it that mommy wants you to know? And she says to me that you love me. Mm -hmm. Right. And to me, that comes before everything else. And, you know, not to get too deep about like, you know, like you were saying the brain development and, and all this kind of stuff and child psychology, but I kind of believe that that might be, if we could only do one thing, the only thing that could be needed. Although I'm really big on responsibility too. <laughs> but right. But that's, 
I, I think it's more about, I mean, you know, my kids have chores and they're expected of our approach in this family, which is funny because this is not, you know, we would finish dinner when I was a kid and I would get up and leave. My mom did all of it. I did. I had, I don't remember a chore, mm-hmm. right? My kids um, don't get to live that way because while I'm a highly functioning adult and now I am responsible for a household, obviously it didn't hurt me, which is maybe a valid point, right? Even without all that, I turned out, <laughs> I guess, fine in my perspective right maybe awesome from my perspective (laughs) um right so maybe maybe it worked out anyway but in our house like we kind of have this we all live here we all work together to maintain this and and you know this is how we're going to do it um but I think it comes down to a lot of it is like the nuances of parenting right certain things like I remember my mom's go-to thing when she didn't want to have to answer to me anymore because I asked a question also I I was a verbal kid even then and I didn't really um I don't know if I cared if I made people mad you know like I questioned things um karma's come back I have those too so yay I know what that's like but I remember my mom would always say to me like because I said so and my response was well why do you say so and then who are you to say so, which was really <laughs> snarky, but like, and I didn't, I meant it in defiance, but I also meant like, no, really, why? And so I always remember that. And I guess that goes into like parenting differently because of the way you felt in those moments that when my kids, when I set a limit, I will explain to them why. And it might be, I am so tired. I can't drive you to your friend's house because like, I just, I need rest. Right. It might be that or whatever the reason is I'm setting that limit, I will give them an explanation as to why I set the limit. My parents were like, no, we just said, no, you don't need no, you don't need an explanation. That was a different time, right? I was parented a little while ago. Um, (laughs) So it was a different approach, you know? And my parents were, you know, my, both my parents were born like during World War II. Um, And so they were parented very, hardcore differently right there wasn't a lot of room for like I don't know I don't know if there were ever kids like they just you know it was very different and so like each generation has changed a little bit but I do know that I I definitely have things that I was like I will I will do this differently because it annoyed me as a a child wow I love that so much okay I feel like there's so many different ways we could go from here like I love the idea of like the, the trends and what you said earlier around what's going on in the world. I'll never forget when I was in my mid twenties and I was doing um, the crux of my own therapy work back then with my therapist in Atlanta, she was awesome. She was really big into inner child work Mm -hmm. and she recommended a workbook um, by a woman named Catherine Taylor. Anybody's listening is interested. Catherine spelled with C it's called the inner child workbook. And basically it's broken down into um, ages and stages of life. And um, one of the things I like so much about this workbook is that it helps access all, um, all your, all the parts of your brain to bring kind of processing and healing online as you navigate kind of chronologically through different stages of your own past, where you may or may not have had some of these hurts, right. And uncovering some of that. And one of the things that I think is so cool about that book is that not only does it have an opportunity for you to self-reflect in both a conscious and a subconscious way through things like free association, artwork, and so forth, as well as like journaling, but it has you interview and research different people in your family or family friends, or, you know, looking back in the news of 
those years, right? And so what was happening in the world and then kind of extrapolating from there, how might that have affected our culture, our extended family, our family of origin, kind of our nuclear family, right? How might that have affected me, you know, and so forth and so on. Um, and these ideas around how we were parented, not only based on how our parents, parents parented them, right? And how they're either responding or reacting to that. And then to your point, their temperament, their personalities, and then also what's going on in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we're not in this bubble, right? We're impacted by all of these factors. Right. Yeah. And, and when a country's at war, right? It's, it, I, I'm guessing because knock on wood, I've never lived in a country at, where war is being fought kind of actively on my home soil, right? But um, thank God, and I hope I never do. But I can imagine that, you know, it's a very scary time, right? And when we're under threat or under attack, literally it's survival mode. So things like, you know, emotions and, wants and desires and whims and dreams get shelved or ignored right for the sake of survival until survival is you know a sure thing right and and by survival I don't just mean like bodily survival but things like you know financial financial survival right like when countries are at war there's a lot of financial unrest and questions and you know we don't know what's going to happen with fuel and food and you yeah. know the economy and so forth and so on jobs um <clears throat> so what an interesting thing to think about and then now here we are in 2022 right having just again let's knock on more wood come out of a pandemic where we spend a lot of time at home social distance right covered our faces covered our smiles yeah didn't hug didn't touch sometimes did school through screens versus in person or other forms of social interaction mm -hmm. what's that right and then what does that do to our parenting right well yeah and you know <laughs> I, you know we didn't get the breaks that we would normally get like my kids weren't at school I was doing it all right and it was it was a it was a lot I think it was a lot for everybody mm -hmm. yeah yeah, there's so many, you know, factors to it. And when, you know, when I hear clients talk about things they get, they stumble on, right? This like, well, I don't know why I do this. It's usually, and for myself included, I know this about myself. I have found that no one can trigger you more sometimes than your own children. Oh yeah. And it's unintentional and it has to do with your own stuff. But your kids can do some stuff that really lets you fly off the handle, you know? Okay. And some of it is like, again, your own internal stuff. Um, I think as parents, we get so hyper-focused in the external sometimes mm. of what other people are perceiving as us, like this judgment that may or may not be happening, um, that we parent differently in that moment. So when I break it down with clients, I will ask them, did you parent like that? Because that's what you felt like you should have done, right? From your gut. Or did you parent like that? Cause someone was watching and that's what you felt like they would want you to do. Right. So this comes up a lot when there's like grandparents, like, you know, I went out to dinner with my grandparents and my kid or my parents and my kid. Right. And those different 
generations are together with those different styles and then the differences are really highlighted mm -hmm. and people get really insecure about that, right? This idea of, well, they expect me to be harsher. You know, mm -hmm. I remember once I was, oh, this was traumatic for me. <laughs> so um, I was at Target and um, my youngest was uh, three or four, I don't know, young, and she wanted some toy. And I set a limit and I said no, because it was a no that day. And um, she's very strong-willed and she unleashed the biggest tantrum, screaming, not crying, screaming, target checkout lady. I to take her, you know, carry her to the checkout. I'm paying and she's screaming. People are staring at me. Like I'm, it, she sounds like she's being injured. The target lady's like, can I give her a sticker? Cause she's upset. And I said, I'm so, no. Cause like, I'm not gonna give her a sticker for this behavior for starters. And I said, second, all, unless you're going to buy her the Barbie thing she wants, she's going to throw a <laughs> sticker at your face. Um, I take her to the car. She is continuing to scream. Um, I can't drive because if I do, I'm scared I'm gonna like drive into a wall. Right. I have to child lock the doors because she's trying to open them. People are watching me. At some point, it's near a mall. Mall security comes to check if I'm okay because they hear her screaming because she's a very loud child. And now right? how old is she at this time? Three or four. Three or four, okay. Okay, mm -hmm. this goes on like, I don't know, 30, 40 something. She was committed, right? And all I remember thinking is, oh my God, I'm a parenting coach. And what kind of crap was that, right? And how many people staring at me were thinking, what a shitty mom. She has no control over that kid. If I were her, I would have X, Y, and Z. Now I could have told you what would happen if I pulled that as a kid, but again, I am choosing a different path. Mm -hmm. So I sat with that judgment and no one said anything to me. This is all what I perceive to be. Right. Right. And then I sat with, holy crap, I survived that. Yay to me for not like unleashing the frustration that I had in that moment, taking all those other thoughts into consideration. And like, good for me for sitting in a car for that long and tolerating this, deep breathing, right? But that was, I mean, when I tell you that moment was an insane amount of work for me to exercise control because yeah, I mean, the frustration building in me, the lack of control, the fear of judgment, mm -hmm. right? This, I can't believe she's letting her kid act like that. The reality is I didn't let her do anything. She just was, mm -hmm. you know? Um, right. But in that moment, it's like, she's triggering me, right? right. I'm, I have all these perceptions of what people may or may not be thinking about my parenting. I've got, well, she's a therapist and she works with kids and she's a parenting coach and what the heck is she doing? Right. And so what I tell my clients is if you can get really clear of why you're doing what you're doing, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I parent this way, whatever way that is, because mm -hmm. it's easier to stick to, because in that moment, it would have been easier for me to justify to the person who criticized or was, you know, critiquing my parenting. Why in that moment, I didn't just slap her. Right. right. Why I chose not to do that. Why I chose to with, take her from the store and like let her scream it out in my car, whatever. Um, so I also find it helpful to, and that kind of goes into like, what are the goals for your kids? How do you, for me, it's always like, what relationship do I want with my kids? Mm -hmm. How do I want the relationship to be today when they're 14, when they're 18, when they're 22, it will change. But I want to be the one my children go to mm -hmm. openly. Um, some people may say, I want my child to fear me. And that might be where they come from. Right. I don't know, but 
kind of putting all that into perspective, I think helps you navigate those moments when you may fall back into that default, right? This is how my parents handled it. So this must be, this is what I'm going to do because that's also what I know. That's my framework is my foundation is what my parents did, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. It was not a good target. Run. Yeah. You know, it's so funny when you were first starting that story, I, I literally have a client right now that I'm working with who is um, relatively new mom. Her kid's not that old yet, but that's like one of her biggest fears, you know, is <laughs> like target, literally target. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Target is I mean, for, for temper tantrums, right? It, it is, you know, and your child's temperament, I mean, matters, but this is what I'm, this is where I think, again, it's all about perspective. We get stuck in these moments, you know, I mean, I remember I did, I did not have great sleepers. My children were not great baby sleepers um, oh, either. We did not do cry it out. Um, and so I chose a different route for that. And um, my, both of my kids are very tactile, affectionate to this day. They're like, hey, you know, they love, they love to be hugged and held and they were no different as babies, which was a lot for me because it's a lot of constant touch. But, um, and, and in it, I was like, this is never gonna end. Oh my God, my kids are never ever gonna sleep through the night. Like they're never going to, but you know, they did. They did. I mean, they're, you know, eight and 10 now. It's been a long time since we've been in that place. I did no interventions. If they needed me at night, I went. They needed me to help them go back to sleep, I went. And they are now eight and 10 and sleep 99.9% .9 of the fine time, just fine. Um, every now and then we have a nightmare or whatever, right? right? But like, for the most part, it passed. But in that moment, I was like, what intervention can I have? You know, I mean, we got real, I played this song when I put her to bed and she slept better. That song is getting played again. Like you get real superstitious about stuff. Because we try to recreate it, you know, um, and in the end it will pass. And so most things are not as urgent as they feel in the moment. So taking that step back and saying like, it feels urgent, but is it really, does it have to be addressed in this moment or can I take a beat and come back to it? Because that gives us the time to think about how we want to approach a situation versus reacting, right? So then I can respond to the situation and not react because when we react sometimes we fall back into the default of what we didn't want to do yeah i love that you know and and not only will it pass but thinking of okay when this does pass and i'm on the other side of this like you said how do i want my kids to feel about me but then also how do i want to feel about me yeah right how would I feel about me if I slapped her across the face? Or how would I feel about me if I gave in and gave her the Barbie doll? Or how would I feel about me if I screamed my head off and got myself so worked up that I threw up outside the car in the Target parking lot, right? Yeah. <sighs> right, and, so and am I making decisions based on what I feel like is best in the moment? Mm -hmm. Or am I making a decision based on my ego or my sense of powerlessness? Like there are times when my kids have made an argument for something that is so valid that they're right. And I have to be like, well, you know what? It's a really good point. I didn't think of it. I know, Ellie does the same thing too. Right? Like I, I didn't even, it didn't register. My kids are great problem solvers. If you can't figure something out, ask them. Like you're like, I don't know. Right? But like there's a time. Yeah, so there's, 
there's a time when it's helpful to listen, right? And there are moments where maybe we're digging in so that we feel powerful, but that's our need. That's not gonna help the situation. That's not gonna correct the behavior. That's not gonna be beneficial to our children's health and growth and development. But I feel like I have control and power in this moment. Like, is that necessary? Right? Is that a me thing or is that really an intervention I need to parent in this moment? You know, but it's, ex I mean, it is exhausting to parent this way. It is because it's, you're constantly being thoughtful of how to approach something. Right. Um, okay. But I think the payoff, like the way I always describe it to my clients, is you put in the work now mm -hmm. so that the payoff is there later. Right. That's right. So that you have a child who will talk to you about things, that you have someone who will come to you for help, who hopefully can navigate the world, right? And nothing's guaranteed. Like, I don't know how my kids are going to turn out, but. Um, well, but you're, all, you're already seeing some of that, right? I just heard you say, oh, my kids are great problem solvers, right? Yeah. And a few minutes back, you said, okay, I teach my clients, my parent coaching clients to think of what kind of humans we want to raise. And you said for you, one of your primary goals, right? You want your kids to be kind and you also want them to be able to navigate the world effectively and solve problems. And so right at eight and 10, you can already see like, woo, yay, like check that box. I got that one, right? Unless you screw them up over the next 10 years. I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> well, and, and, and there's a double-edged sword, right? I want my kids to be independent. And that is also a really annoying thing to promote and parent because guess where they also practice that? Right. You know, right. Kenzie used to just scream when she didn't get her way. No. And I'm like, at least, so we said to her, talk about it, have a conversation and we'll listen. We have now created a budding attorney who will negotiate and debate everything, which is also a challenge, but it beats the screaming and yelling we used to get because she didn't know how to express herself. So we worked on that. And now we have someone who won't stop expressing herself. But again, at 18, 19, 20, that's going to be a strength and not a parenting challenge, right? So I navigate this in this moment as, you know, being maybe hard for me at times, but a payoff for her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, well, I know I, it's a loaded topic. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the last thing I just heard you, you kind of allude to is so powerful. You've alluded to it a few times. It's just that a lot of this depends. Yes, we can have our, our kind of aspirational values, right? What is it that we're hoping to create? We can have our reactionary and responsive decisions based on, okay, didn't feel good to me when my parents did X, Y, or Z. So I want to be sure that my kids never feel what I felt, right? To the best of my ability. And then we have our personalities, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have our children's personalities, right. time, however many of them are present. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they're their own beings, right? On their own path with their own thoughts, opinions, personalities, temperaments. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about, I think maybe we should come back to another time. Maybe this could be like a little teaser, but um there seems to be this trend. I know one of the things you and I were chatting about before we started was this idea of parenting with more a more gentle approach. And I, I have witnessed a lot of clients struggling with finding that balance where maybe they've gone too far toward mm -hmm. that and have lost some awareness of firmness with children 
to an extent to where it's either it's creating some sort of problems for the child or some sort of problems for them or for the family system as a whole. And right. And then we've got this whole thing. People are always like rolling their eyes about millennials and, and children being entitled and would not be a cool thing to explore for a different day. Yeah. Let's definitely dive into that. And, you know, just a real quick response to that I often hear people, um, maybe misinterpret some of the gentle parenting concepts Uh because gentle parenting is not the same as permissive parenting. Gentle Mm -hmm. parenting does have boundaries, limits, rules. It's just consequences. It is just not brought down with a hammer, but they are still there. I think sometimes people, um, because it's nuanced, I think, right? Like how do I gently set limits? There's a lot of like skills involved in doing that, I think. Um, So people forget that it's not permissive parenting, right? I can, I can have limits on my child. I can have expectations. I can, you know, have rules, Yeah. but still gently parent, right? Because it's the approach you take, not being, you know, void of any anything, right? Like letting them do whatever. And I hear that a lot. Like, oh, I don't jump, because I'm just let my kid do whatever. It's like, you know, you, you don't let your kid do whatever. Yeah. You just, you know, don't get punitive about it. So let's, I mean, I think we should definitely jump into that it. one. Let's, let's talk it. about that next time. So there's our teaser because um, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a real buzzword right now. Right. And, and I'm sure for those people who are blog readers and podcast listeners and, um, uh, book readers and I don't know what else now on TikTok and Instagram, right? People, influencers or, you know, coaches are on there sharing things about this topic of gentle parenting. So yeah, let's definitely come back to that. I heard you mentioned permissive parenting style. So maybe we'll kind of teach people next time about the three primary parenting styles and how they align and maybe an opportunity to reflect on kind of which one their parents were and, and, you know, where they might fall and where their spouse might fall, right. Or their parenting partner. Um, Or, you know, sometimes if we are parenting alone, then we have to kind of vacillate on a spectrum, but um, what an interesting topic to dive into next yes yeah and we didn't even get into partners right because that's right no, like, we did you, not. you have to parent with more than one parent this whole podcast was just about your stuff like right, right. you have someone else who is also carrying their childhood their styles their preferences their goals right. they're right that gets way more complicated for sure <laughs> yeah so much more complicated okay i hope you're making a good list of what these topics we're coming up I, with i am i am well <laughs> thank you everyone for joining us today and next time we're going to do gentle parenting because i think it's a good segue um and it kind of ties into some of the things we we're talking about so we can kind of dive into this a little deeper yep and as always if you listen to this um please follow us on social media claudia is mighty oak parenting and I am Rob and Katie Truax spelled out. Um, and if you see us on social media and you see a link to our, this podcast and you listen um, and you have any questions or comments or any topics that you'd like to hear us discuss, please type those in because that would be super fun for us to, to meet your needs. And otherwise, we will see you next week talking about gentle parenting.